The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Uh, this week I am interviewing Max Tires and Arthur Legall. You probably are not familiar with those names, and that's okay. They are two sort of minor league soccer players here in the United States from England and France. They play for the Erie Commodores. And we talked a lot about what it's like to be a professional athlete, about how analytics could be communicated to someone who is a professional athlete, soccer, the World Cup, the whole bit. This is probably my favorite episode of the podcast we have done thus far. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you could be so kind. And of course, we are still presented by the Pat Mayo uh, experience the Pat Mail podcast. You can find that on iTunes. You guys know about it. Give it a rating and review. Give me a rating and review. And uh, let's get into the show. All right. So I am here with Maxi and Arthur, two, I guess the equivalent for Americans would be minor league soccer players. I kind of thought it was appropriate with the World Cup going on to have some some guys who are actual players on the show. We've had guys who are analysts of soccer. We've had guys who are writers. Uh, Maxi and Arthur, how are you guys doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? So, uh, Maxi, why don't you first explain the league that you guys play in and the setup, and then we'll have uh, Arthur explain kind of how he got here. Well, it's um, so right now it's a, a league called the MPSL, uh, National Premier Soccer League. Uh, it's it's a strange old league, man, because sometimes you can come against some players and uh, you think. Fuck, he was like, I can remember last season we were playing against a guy and this guy had me all game. I was like, who is this guy? I Googled him after and first pitch was him, slide tackling Steven Gerrard. And then some, te- it's a, it's a, some teams you're playing, you'll think, oh, you're rubbish. But So why is, it, why is it set up so uneven like that in American sort of second and third tier soccer? It's because of promotion relegation, I think. There's no, there's no chance to... So, uh, so the good teams just kind of stay there? Yeah. Whereas in England, you know, a good team, they go up. Bad they're rewarded, yeah, and they're rewarded for the how good they are. And the bad teams, you, you, you're going to go down if you, don't, if you don't meet the marks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Arthur, you are actually from France. So why don't you explain to the listeners how, of all places, you ended up in Erie, Pennsylvania playing, uh, playing professional soccer? So, yeah, I come from France, so I came in uh, in the U.S., so first of all to play in college. So I ended up in uh, Tennessee, in Tuscaloosa University, a D2 school. So I came in January, so I didn't play the fourth season. So I wanted to have more games and to play more. So I wanted to find a, 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 a team for, for the summer. So 
My graduate assistant at my school used to play for the Commodores. He talked to, to me about this project and that it's a really good team, but they won the, their conference last year and it would be only positive. So I say, okay, I take it and, and I, will give it, I will give it a try, you know. Finally, I like it. And I like the atmosphere. The, the city is very good. Uh, we are winning games, so what do you want this? Can't complain. So how common would it be, Arthur, for someone to play, you know, kind of, I, actually, I guess, what, what was your academy setup? Did you, how did you start playing soccer kind of professionally? So for me, I, I was not in training center when I was young, but I was playing against like the professional team, you know? Yeah. And when I grew, I played in the senior leagues, you know, and I used to play against like the second team of professional, like you have a lot of professional players, you know, and it was really good experience. So right. I wanted to give a try in the US because in France, like it was kind of very hard to, to make it through, you know, so I wanted to give a try and it's also a, a good experience, I think, and you can learn a new language. I know it's not perfect yet, but. I'm better trying than, to better than my French. My French is very. <laughs> I was gonna try and speak a little French to you because that's what I took in university, but it's so bad now. I don't think I could do it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe at the end I'll try a little bit. Yeah, you could. So, uh, Arthur or uh, Maxie, what about you? What was your academy experience like? It's especially in England. It's doggy dog is, uh, and we have that in England. There's an influx of just everyone. So there's. It's, it's, I mean, it's the league everyone wants to play in. Right. So you've got all these, the best players from around the world, no matter how old you are. I mean, we start academies now at like under eights. So well, yeah, you've got that's like, the, that's like oh, you'll always hear the stories about like Harry Kane was in the Arsenal Academy and like yes. Barcelona and Madrid get all the South Americans in their academy at like 12. That's like the system. So it's, it's, it's crazy. We get, we get all these youngsters in who are just insane. It's, it's getting harder for the, the young English players to even get a look in now but it's a I, I actually went the route that not a lot of other boys do where at 16 you're either released or don't have a big club so you, I, I went and played in the, the non-league division like Jamie Vardy and and all them guys right it, it's it's worked out for me so far which uh which academy were you in I, I wasn't in a big academy I went and played for a team called Concert AFC in the in the Northern Premier League and um yeah, just out, in and out a lot of times with different academies, but never really made the grade. Right. And so that's very different from how things work in the United States, because if, if I understand things correctly, you know, our education system is different. So if you if you wanted your kid to be in a soccer academy in the United States, it would be this like horribly expensive thing to do. It's not it's not like they could go to school that was a regular school and be in the soccer academy. So. Do you think that that is a, a much larger edge for the English players to have? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, even at young kids, I've been in situations where you, you would be invited on a, a six-week trial. And you're told to pack your bags after four days if you're not good enough. Like, that it's, it's brutal. It can get brutal at a very young age. So it's definitely they don't care how big your wallet is. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Arthur, do you was your experience in France kind of the same, where it's it's all based on ability as opposed to how much money your parents have? 
In France, it's, I mean, it's maybe not as hard as in England because, you know, in England there is a lot, a lot of players on the best league in the world or in England. But in France, it's also very hard, you know, like you have to be very, to be very good, but also very young to, to be in a training center, you know? Right. Um, like, I don't know, like we have so many players, you know, you cannot imagine that you can be fucking good and sometimes you will just go to to the, the closest training center because your parents don't want you to go very far, like maybe to go to Paris or Monaco, you know? So, I mean, for, for a French guy, your parents and the family means a lot, you know? Like, right. you have to, to balance everything, you know? But, of course, it's very difficult to, to get in a training center and maybe become pro professional. So that's a, a big difference is that, you know, the English FA and the French Football Federation have existed for, I mean, at this point, over 100 years. The FA, I think, is like 150 and th there's just nothing close to that organized in the States. Like you, you look at the population of the countries, the United States should be amazing. And it's not like kids don't play soccer here. I played soccer growing up. I'm sure, I, I'm sure most people listening to this probably played youth soccer until they were about 12 or 13. And then it just stops because there is, there is not really an academy system here. Um, some of the MLS teams have academies, but you have, you have to pay a lot of money to be in them. It's not like, you don't get recruited to them and it's kind of like a boarding system and so where i'm going with this is what a famous quote from one of the arsenal guys one of like the big scouts and this was kind of in the banger days was was they could tell if a kid was going to be technically good enough to play like top division soccer by 12 years old and uh maxi do you first of all do you think that's true and second of all do you think this system in the States is missing a lot of kids because, you know, no one, no one is scouting 12 year old American soccer players. It just, that system does not exist at all. It's, that's even a question that it's, a lot of people are asking in England now, whether is the, are we doing the academies the right way? Cause I mean, right now we are getting the kids so young and it's been like that. Say if a, a guy goes to Arsenal at 10 years old, and he trains at Arsenal until he's 18, 19. And he's, he only knows one specific way of playing. And he's so organized and just controlled. And he's almost like robots playing soccer. So then it gets to the point, if he gets released from Arsenal, how's he going to adapt? How's he going to... Yeah, he can't go play in League One because yeah. he doesn't know how to do it. But I mean, maybe the Arsenal's a, a bad example because the kids at Arsenal are going to be different level. But let's say if you're playing for West Brom Academy, and you get released at 19, it's, 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 it's hard to adapt. So, and now that's why a lot of people are going to the roots of if you get released, they go and play men's football, non-league, where like look at players like Vardy and Austin and even Chris Smallin and a lot of boys are coming from that now because it's just, it kind of gives you more of a, an edge. And a lot of, you, you, you play them games now, there's ex-Premier League players and there's now, there's young Premier League players who have been released coming. So it's, we even asked that question now, but maybe we are pushing them for too young. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but, and something that happens a lot in the States is our, our best athletes, like, uh, you know, LeBron James. I mean, this is obviously one example, but most very good athletes in the United States, Olympic athletes, pro basketball players, pro football players, they played 
multiple sports in high school. A lot of football players played baseball. Pretty much all of the great baseball players played either basketball or football in high school, sometimes even in college. And so, Arthur, first of all, is soccer the only sport you've ever played? And is that a common experience for, you know, kind of young semi-pro soccer players in France? Yeah, so that's one of the biggest differences in soccer between the United States and Europe. Like, in France, I only play soccer, like, every day, almost every day. Like, we don't play basketball or... I don't know, like here you play baseball in high school, you can play soccer, you can play uh, football, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, in France, for me, I just focus on football, you know. Uh, this, the people who come from the United States, they would focus on like three sports. And I think it's a difference. Like you cannot be good at three sports. You have to focus on one sport if you want to excel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I did only football and I loved it. It's, it's why I came here. Um, yeah, that's it. Which is interesting because France does actually have a good international basketball team. Like they always do really well at the FIBA stuff and their, their young guys are always pretty good. But I'm sure there's an academy system for basketball the same way there is for soccer in France. Yeah, yeah I think so. But there is less training center in basketball than in football, you know, like, but you have good club in, in France, but also some kids, they go, they went to the United States when they were very young, like Tony Parker, you know, yeah. and also the, our new superstar, like from Nikolina from the New York Knicks, yeah. who was picks the eight picks of the, of the draft last year. Tony Parker's French. He's French. Very, very French. Yeah. That's the least French name I've ever heard. Tony. Probably, I mean, his real name's probably Antoine, I would bet. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, some kids, they, they, they came earlier in the United States because it's uh, the country of basketball, kind of, you know? So, yeah, we have some training center, but not as good as U.S., you know? So, Maxi, same for you, just straight soccer, that's it? Yeah, I was a, I was a big cricket man, and... I enjoy my rugby, but it's yeah, it's just playing with friends or playing at school. But if you want to concentrate on something, it's just all. all well, a lot fun. of the a lot of the English guys golf too, right? Yeah, I, I dabble in a bit of golf, even though I'm a bit rubbish. But uh, I like to I like to get out there. But it's just it's even when you're playing golf, all you're talking about is football. Yeah. So let's get into a little bit of uh, like kind of training stuff. Do you do you think that the coaching you are getting here in the United States? What would you equate that to in England? Like, do you feel that the coaching here, uh, Maxi, is is good? Like, is it is it a proper setup for you? I mean, at Erie, it's a funny one because it's an Irish owner with a Scottish head coach and an English assistant coach. So, so you're getting you're getting a lot. It's it's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's it's blood and snot, uh, hard working, and yeah, direct route one. I mean, we actually play. It's not so much direct. It's just that they, it's hard. The coaches work us. Uh, they want like us to be hard working, and and it's. It, I mean, it's working. Um, it always has. I've always appreciated the the type of coaching that the coaches we've got now. I've I've known them for some years, so it's. So is it, is it, it yeah. the coaching you're getting now from the Englishman and the Scotsman? This is pretty similar to what you would be getting. You know, if you say you were playing in like the fifth tier in England. Yeah, it's it's very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have because sometimes 
I mean, I've, I've had American coaches as well at, at college playing at that level and it's, it's still really good. It's just a, it's, it's a different mentality. It's something I wasn't really, I couldn't really ever get used to. Can you train, you try and explain that a little bit? Uh, I'll never forget the first time I came to America, my first training session, we didn't even touch a ball. It was just all running. And yeah, I was they want, you, they want you to be fit. Yeah. And I was, I just didn't know what was going on, but it was never been in that heat before. And it was just, they wanted us to come and fit. I remember opening up the summer packet and I was like, oh, there is no chance I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah, to, to make a point, like when I came in January, our first training session that was more focused to be fit, we just ran every single day. I was like, I'm here to play soccer, I'm not a track and field man, you know? Mm -hmm. I was so pissed, but it's a very different mentality. And it's different, but it's kind of work or so on. I like it because you can improve some weaknesses that you had maybe in France. Like, because we're more focused on technique stuff, you know? But it's okay. You just have to put your heads down and work, you know? That is, that is extremely American, that, that focus on, on being in shape. Like, probably until you get to the absolute pinnacle of all sports. Like, I bet even the top college programs for, like, football and stuff, I bet most of what they do at practice is weightlifting, conditioning, running. And, and that is – that's interesting you say that because I – I guess I didn't even really think about it, but, you know, a lot of these English teams, I've heard, I, we're talking a lot about Arsenal, but, you know, Wenger said at practice, you just do everything with the ball. There's no, there's no, yeah. there's no practicing without a ball. And I mean, do you think that that, do you think that there maybe is an edge that's being unexploited by these coaches, not having their players quite in top absolute peak form? It's a, it's a funny thing. It's, I know boys who, if you ask them to do a fitness test, they wouldn't say if you ask them to run out on a 12 minute, uh, 12 minute, two mile, they wouldn't have a chance, mm -hmm. but you could put them in a 90 minute game of football and they'd be the best player on the pitch in the last 90 minutes and come off look, and look like they haven't even broken a sweat. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's a completely different type of fitness. So when you're working with the ball and when you're working with, like with that, it's, it's so much better, isn't it? It's just more relative fitness, you know? But luckily, all the American coaches now, especially the college level, um, I had one uh, college who was obsessed with like the European game, yeah. and it was he, he tried to put that in as much as possible. So it was almost like having a European coach. So, and I believe that you can do some analytic stuff, but with the ball, you know, you know, have to run, just run without the ball, you know. You you can't be fit and just play with the ball, you know, and. I think it's a big lack for, for some coaches in America, but it's, it's going to disappear, I think, in the, the 10 years. So what is your guys' schedule like now? How many, how many games a week do you play? How often are you training? How many games is in a season? Oh, yeah, we train every day. We train every day. Um, like we've got a film session tonight, then we're training straight after. Uh, we've got a game tomorrow. Uh, we we played some games where it's been we played two games over three days, so the, the, the schedule can be pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. Pretty hard, yeah. And then, but yeah, train it's it's worth it, but yeah. it's difficult, especially when that's one thing about America: the sheer size of the the, the gaff is is mental. Like you've got an away game at five hours away, and then two days later you've got another one four hours away, and it's just it could be taxing. I think that's a big thing people don't realize about playing soccer in the United States versus in England. Like, I actually don't even know this. Maxi, how long would it take someone to drive?
from the north to the south of England? No, I'm from like the most northern place in England you can get, and I can get to London in four and a half, five hours. Right, so that's, that's the like, furthest. Yeah, that's like a that's like a state. Yeah. States. Like it would for if I wanted to drive all the way across Kansas, it would take me. It would honestly take me even longer than that. And and that's like I wouldn't pass any pro sports teams from one to the other in England. You have a hundred. I think it's in the pro football pyramid. It's 128 professional teams, all straight through there. And I don't think people this side of the pond realize that at all. How spread out everything is. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a funny thing when you go to cities like in. Say you go to Liverpool, you've got two football teams there. That are, the stadiums are no more than 200 yards away from each other. So that's when it, that's when it I gets. Didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. The, oh, that you can see Anf- you can see yeah Goodison Park from Anfield yeah. and it's like that everywhere you you have a lot when you fly into London you all you can see is football stadium football stadium football stadium it's is the it Mercy like Derby that? yeah the Merseyside Derby yeah is it like that in France as well or is it still a little bit more spread out oh no no it's not more spread out like me I'm from Brittany you know the west of France mm-hmm. and I'm like four hours of Paris away from Paris and in Brittany we have like Kind of four or five teams that are in, in League One or League Two, like Rennes, Lorient, Guingamp, Brest. We have a lot of teams. So no, it's not spread out as here. Like my furthest uh, travel was like one hour and thirty minutes, maybe. And here it's like the the closest, you know. And would you go? Would you drive there, or like, is there like, would you take the 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 train? Um, no, maybe we, it depends. Like we we ju- usually take the 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 car, yeah, the bus, yeah, the bus, the car. Like other flights sometimes, but not really. Yeah, we mostly train. Yeah. So something that I've talked about a lot on this podcast in the past with a lot of guests is like analytics for soccer, for football, for baseball. You know, turning numbers into performance on the field, and so. It's, it's honestly pretty new in soccer, like finding out new ways to play the game or things that people are doing that are not as efficient. And so I, from people who have actually played, I'm kind of wondering what your experience has been with analytics. Like, has, have you ever had a coach tell you, hey, you know, if you use your left foot here, you're going to be much better? Or, you know, if you shoot, if your shot locations were better, you'd score more goals, like expected goals sort of things? Like, has either of that happened for you guys? I had an American coach in college who was like that. Um, he, he was he was fascinated by it, and it was it worked it, and it was interesting. And, and we had all these monitors, and we monitored every training session, every game. Yeah. We had some sort of software. I think it was a Tango Match Tango analysis, where after a game you could look, and he, he, you just clicked the button. It was every touch you took, every run you made, every way you were on the pitch. It was it was pretty insane. It was, it was cool, but. Um, I think you can kind of get into that stuff too much, you know. We just had a conversation watching the England game. Our assistant coach was there, and he said um, he can remember once Van Persie in a 90-minute game touched the ball for I think it was one minute and 15 seconds, mm-hmm. and he scored a hat So if you were a statistics man and you looked at them, and you'd be like, "Well, he hasn't really had a big impact on the game if he didn't see his goals." But yeah. So is that is that the same? For you, Arthur, you just haven't uh, had a ton of experience with coaches actually communicating that information to you? Yeah, they, they, they use a lot of the statistics, you know, like where do you should go, where do you should run, 
uh, whether you should cross or so because if you cross too far there is only 20% of the goal if you do here there is 40% like it's always like this but honestly I don't really trust statistic like I mean like it's a reality but sometimes you can only run like four miles a game on maybe one of the best players in the game you know like yeah. for me football you have to be smart also you know like it's not only to be fit or to run everywhere and exactly where do you have to, to run and stuff like this but it's also important of course yeah so if uh, if the coaching staff say say the coaching staff came to you and they had really noticed something about your game just not from watching you but just for looking at the data and they wanted to communicate something to you how would you want that to be communicated to you and is there like would there be a right way to do it a wrong way to do it like how how should they approach you I quite like video sessions. I, I, I like all that stuff because we can really see where and how it works. Like it's real, you know. Like if they just tell you face to face, you should do this run, you should do this run, you should do this pass. It's not really real, you know. Like yeah. But if we have the video and the example, okay, I might, I might try it, you know. Like I'll give it a try, you know. So having the having the the visual. Of what you like, so say say what Arthur? What position do you play? Uh, I'm center mid. So say your coach was saying, you know, you're dropping, you're really dropping far <coughs> when we're attacking, and I, I need you to be more at the top of the box. And they just saw that from you know your heat maps or whatever. It would be way more helpful if they showed you the video and they, you know, they they saw a space and they would show you this space and be like, look, if you were here, you could make this pass, you could make this. That would be way more helpful than just telling you. Yeah, I think it, it will help, help me more, but I will also trust the coach, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, he's my coach. I think, you know what, what he's talking about. So, no, I, I think I will just trust him. And even if it's not the, maybe the best way to show me, I will trust him and do it, you know. Yeah. And so is that how your American coach who was obsessed with the numbers would communicate stuff to you, Maxine? Yeah, it was. He was actually really, he was good at. Uh, I mean, so while well, players say if we were doing, he, he used to like the number of how many times to get the ball in the box and uh, near post and mm -hmm. and far post, and he would almost move you around like a chess piece. Like he would, he would, he would be on the training pitch and he'd be dragging you and be saying this is and and it was it was good and it's a good visual to have where where you should be making your runs. Um, but as, as video as well, he was he was excellent. He was he was excellent at, uh, when he was just had a whiteboard in front of him or a video in front of him and just telling you where to go and, and statistics of what we've been doing. He was, he was great at that. So uh, a, a trend that's been happening in European soccer really heavily this year, but kind of started last year is crossing numbers are way down. Teams are, teams are crossing way less, like even, even the bottom of the league, even, even West Brom really. You need to get yourself to an Erie Commodores game, mate. You got, that's what I was going to ask is because really, a lot of this, you know, a lot of like uh, a lot of these teams hire data analysts, right? And they've been yeah. the the big thing right now. It's very popular to say, you know, crosses generally don't lead to great shots. And I was that was my next question was going to be, has has that sort of high level kind of math stuff permeated into the coaching that you guys are getting? And I'm guessing the answer is no. Bollocks! You look at Leicester one in the Premier League. People don't like crossing the ball because it's ugly soccer. 
But you look at teams who are successful and teams who aren't successful now. Look at Leicester when they won. Two excellent wingers. That Mark Albrighton was a nobody, but he was um, he was well known that he could work his bollocks off and cross the ball. But that's true. He was he was he was in the championship, and he he, he was just well known that he could he, he could work up and down as an old fashioned winger and get that ball in the box. How many goals came from that side? Yeah. How many goals came from the other side with Mores? And, it was, yeah, and, and they had works. someone who could finish the ball in the box. It still works. It's just not everyone shies away from playing it because they want to play all this nice. You get that contact soccer. Bollocks. Get the ball in the box. The cross uh, is, is very English. That's very English football. My that's very English, of course. Yeah. My In fact, we, we more play tiki-taka, you yeah. know? <laughs> he probably cares less about the cross. He probably does. He, he's more about making the key pass into the box less than just hoofing it in there. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, we've got... But we, we see that France maybe will go further than England oh, in yeah. this World Cup. So, we'll see. But he, all our goals this year, we, we've got a... a, a a, a striker called Cam Philpot from New Zealand and he's, he scored something like uh, 9 and 11 yeah. all in the box all in the 6 yard box mm-hmm. so he's just getting on the end of crosses getting on the end of so it still works well I actually I had a, a pro baseball pitcher on the podcast about a month ago and something that he told me is you know it really is much better when the coaches just ask you to do something that you are already good at as opposed to trying to change your game to succeed what the system needs from you. And I mean, some of the top level European teams, they, they try and get guys to fit into the system. Like, like Guardiola, like he, he gets his guys in and he says, you're going to play this way. You're going to pass the ball here and either you fit or you don't. And other coaches tend to kind of just let their guys play. So, so Maxi, if, if a coach, Let's say, let's say you, you transfer, you move to a new team, and he's got a system. They play the 4-3-3, and at what position do you play? Um, winner or forward. So, so you're, are you left or right-footed? Right-footed, yeah. So let's say he, he wants wingers that, that cut in, so he's going to stick you on the left wing, and he's, he says, you know, you, I don't want you to cross. I want you to cut in and shoot or play the, the, the ball back to the 10, and that, those are your tactical instructions. How does that work for you as opposed to doing what naturally comes to you? How do you, how do you process that as a professional athlete? It, 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 thinking about it now, it's, uh, that's pretty much what happened when I came to America, yeah. yeah. I, was just, I was always told, we played a 4-4-2. I was always told to get the ball in the box, whip it with pace, low and hard. Um, so when I came, it was a bit different coming to America. would be like, oh, we don't want to the ball in the box every single second. Mm-hmm. It was a hard transition, but... They actually put me on the left because they were sick of me trying to cross the ball all the time and just yeah, having a hit. They were trying to stop you from doing it. Yeah, pretty much. But it, it's difficult. But that's in the professional game. I mean, like you say with Guardiola, if someone doesn't fit, how many new managers come into teams and just have a clear now? Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays, they don't. It's, hiring a manager now is it's not playing for a team anymore. It's you hire a manager. That's if Stoke City when they hired Mark um, Mark when they got rid of Tony Pulis, they were well known for. Being this ugly yeah, it. team, Rory Delap throwing the ball in as hard as he could. Hughes came in and just completely got rid of that. And then they got players like Shakiri and, and all these ball players, Joe Allen, who could actually play. Yeah, good ball. But yeah, if you hire a manager, you know that they're going to change the system, you know? And so, so in your mind, is that kind of the way, do you think the managers should have that much control over the way the team plays? Do you think, as, as a player, is that frustrating? Uh... Yeah, yes and no. Um, depends if it's 
if it works really if it works you will you will like it and you will love to yeah, if, you, if you win you're like yeah this guy's a genius i love it and then if you lose you you, you say well why don't you let me play the way i want to play but you got to, i wonder what delph was thinking man when pep walked in first day and said hey i'm going to try a left back yeah, like, like what was going through his head i i mean i how I, that's actually something i've always wondered about with soccer because the distinction between positions are really it's really just where you're standing on the field so how like so you're you're a forward maxi how hard would it be for a coach to be no you're 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 the number six you're the defensive midfielder now i mean if you did it at this stage i'd be absolutely useless you just couldn't do it I, yeah i would be lost it's the other it's even when we play like short-sided and i'm safe i'm found my way at the back yeah it's open even open the way your body should be open from a just the goalkeeper role now it's it's comfy it's it's you get so stuck in a, a position that I, I i never really played any other positions so it's, it's hard i bet it's different for you yeah you're yeah. you have a more versatile position right you're you're a central midfielder so you you technically should have more things in your box probably so like could could a coach fabian delph could he stick you at are you left or right footed i'm left footed uh, you don't even know what foot he is that's how good he is yeah so could, so could, it, could they stick you at left back and you could, could you play there for 90 minutes? Oh, left back, yeah, I can, of course. Like, it's kind of the same thing because we, we face the game, you know? Yeah. But if I would be a forward, I, I couldn't use my back and be... Yeah, with your back to the game. You, oh, no, I couldn't. I, I don't have a really good... Uh, I'm not really fast, you know, so it would be very hard for me. And I know the guys would take the deep, you know, and stuff like this. Yeah. So I need to play more than to take the space and stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just as someone who, I mean, my main experience with soccer is honestly playing FIFA. Like I, I watch a lot. I've played some, but my primary interaction with it has been in FIFA. We're like, oh, you want to make you want to make uh, Vardy the CDM because he's fast and he can just bowl people over. Like you can do it, and it's just kind of an impossible way to to translate that. So and. Actually, the guy who I've always wanted to switch positions was Welbeck, because he can't he can't finish anything, but he does yeah. do pretty good winning the ball back and pressing high up there. So when I when I first started watching soccer like three years ago, I was like, well, why wouldn't Wenger just move him back? Because you don't, as someone who doesn't know, you don't think about facing or having your back to the game. You just go, well, he can do it here, so why can't he do it there? Uh, that's what I mean. Maybe that's right, though. Maybe. Like maybe Vardy would be an unbelievable right back, and maybe all it takes is a coach to one day come and say. Vardy would probably be a great right back, but, but he wouldn't be great at defending. He'd be great at at getting past guys. And yeah, he, I mean, he's got all the attributes for it, but it's just would you do it? Yeah. Yeah. What was it more worth? You know. Ah, it's difficult to say honestly. I mean, Bam said like Vardy would be a great right yeah, back. You, you never know. Back like, in the day, though, man, they used to come in and do that all the time in the eighties and the seventies. But he has so, such a quality of finishing that yeah. he would be a waste of time to put him right back. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of the best England strikers. Yeah, like, yeah you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want the guy who's finishing to be the one putting in the crosses. Yeah. But that's, like, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting mix, man. You can, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think we all have, all have interesting capabilities that have just never been released before. Who knows? You could be the world's best fucking number 10, you know? I don't think so, honestly. <laughs> yeah. 
tonight. You never know, you know. The last thing I wanted to ask you guys about was FIFA, actually, because I just had the last episode of the show. I had a, a pro FIFA player on, like a dude who plays in the the EMLS. <laughs> like that's actually how I got super into soccer was FIFA, like I think 14 or 15, and then DraftKings added fantasy soccer, and so I was like. I'm in and I just, I, that's how I started. And I watch every weekend now. So my question is, do soccer players play? Cause my assumption is that soccer players do play FIFA, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask, and are either of you any good? Yeah. I'm playing FIFA since I like five years old. Yeah. Since FIFA 2002 mm. with, yeah, with Zidane, with, oh yeah. Since I'm a kid, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, in France or in Europe, everyone plays FIFA. Everyone plays? It's like a thing, it's when you turn up for a new team as well. I, I, I've been, I bet you have as well when you go and play for new teams and that's the first thing you do. Yeah. You talk about who's the best at FIFA and that's how you get involved. And it's a, Literally the first week I've breaked into FIFA, mine was playing against each other all the time. And yeah. And I beat him like three times, you know. Yeah? When, yeah, of when course. He's play? pretty good. Do you guys play Ultimate Team or do you play the head-to-head? -head? I got. I'm. I'm big into my. I mean, we play against each other, but I'm big into my career mode now. I'm. A, do you know football manager? Oh, I play football. I'm. I get sick with football manager. Okay, I'm big, big, big into my football manager. Like what, massive. What, uh, what do you go like? You take like a non-league team. Do you take well, the team you every with? year? I take. Well, I used to take Brighton every year, and then I'm a big Newcastle fan. So when when. When Brighton and Newcastle started going head to head to get promoted, I, I, I start. I'm at Fleetwood now. Every year, Fleetwood. Every year. Fleetwood. I can tell you my signings from as soon as I get in. I'm obsessed with Football Manager. He's, a fuck, he's fucking obsessed by Newcastle or so. I um, play. Do you know Football Manager for you, Arthur? Not really. I don't like it because I like to play. You know, because yeah. you can't play at Football Manager. You just manage. You know, and yeah. I prefer. To play ultimate team and do my own team yeah. and win the division one, you know, and stuff like this. So. Are you you've won division one in ultimate team? Yeah, of course. You have. I've, I've yeah. never I've never won division one. I've made I've made it to division one this year and last year, but I've never won it. Experience. Wow. <laughs> Which is okay. a long time I didn't play. You come to me when you've got Fleetwood Town at the Champions League quarterfinal. <laughs> All right, guys. I think uh, I think that's gonna do it. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining. No uh, is, there, is there anywhere? Say someone was fascinated by this interview. Is there is there a way that they could watch your games online? Um, yeah, you, you should follow the Eric Commodos Twitter, and they will update Facebook. Yeah, every time that where our streaming live are, they will say every time. So just follow the Twitter Eric Commodos. All right. And if you want to get a hold of me and Arthur, just. Let us know. Yeah. yeah. You guys got you guys got Twitter handles? Yeah. Um, yeah. We have Instagram. So uh, my Twitter is just Max Tyres T Y E R S seven. So me, I'm more in Instagram. To be honest, it's like Arthur Legal R L T H U R L E G A L L. If you guys, if you guys WhatsApp it to me after this, I will put it in the show notes for this podcast. So people yeah, can perfect. Perfect. All right. Guys, thanks so much for... Uh, no problem, my pleasure. Thank you so much for That was Arthur and Max in what I think was a, a pretty fascinating interview. That's probably the favorite episode that I've done of this so far. 
Of course, please do remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. I know I've been saying that a lot recently, but you guys have no idea how much it helps. Seriously, it's probably better than if you paid me to listen to the podcast. It's absolutely massive. Um, and make sure to uh, continue enjoy watching the World Cup or not if you don't like soccer. That's fine. I'm sorry if I've been bothering you with it. We'll be get back to football soon, and uh, I will see you guys in the next